Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. Over the past few weeks, we've been going through our series, As It Is In Heaven. Week one, we talked about creation, God's creator. He created you, He created me in His image. And because He's creator, we are made to glorify and worship Him. Week two, we talked about what's called the fall. That's when Adam and Eve decided to eat the fruit and sin came into the world and mankind were separated from their creator. Then last week, we had redemption. That's what Easter is all about. Jesus dying on the cross, God coming down in flesh, paying the debt that we could not pay so that we may be able to come back into relationship with Jesus. And then he rose again on the third day that we may live with him in eternity forever. That is the good news, right? That is the gospel. And today we are talking about the future because once we've heard the gospel, once we've received the gospel, we don't just sit around and wait for Jesus to come back, right? If that was the case, if, if salvation was the goal, once we come to Christ, he would take us out, right? He would just take us out because there's no point. But there is a future that we need to be preparing for, that we need to be working in. And there is the future to come, which is eternity, but there's also the future now. And that's where we're living, in the future now. Because how we live in the future now will affect how uh, the future to come looks like. Right? So then another way you may have heard it is uh, the kingdom is here, but not yet. So when Jesus died, he inaugurated the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which he is king of. It's a spiritual kingdom that came down and all believers are living within, but it's not yet. So the kingdom is here. We see signs, we see wonders, we see miracles. The body of Christ is very much alive and active and growing, but the kingdom is not yet because we still live in the world that has sorrow, has pain, has disease, has suffering. We still live in the broken world. So the kingdom is here, but not yet. And I and I, as I've been praying for this, uh, this message for today, I've been praying that, this, that it's, as I speak, God shifts hearts, right? That God shifts hearts for today, that we as Elevation Church Hills can come together in unity like they did before Pentecost, that we come together with one mission, with one vision, with one heart, right? Where we come together and we say no more passive Christianity. No more. But we say yes to the things of God. We say yes to Matthew 6.10. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in Sydney, in my family, as it is in heaven. That is what I am believing for today. So I could keep yelling, but we're just, we're going to get into it. So let's turn to Matthew 25. So Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. It's really easy to find. Uh, Chapter 25, verse 14, it is the parable of the talents. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, and to each according to his ability. Underline that, to each according to to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. 
Now, after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing the five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five. Here, I have made five more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward, saying, Master, you delivered to me two. Here, I have made two more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Come on, let's pray. Lord, I just pray that... As, as I share your word, that it is not me who speaks, but it is you that is speaking through me, that I am a vessel for your truth. Lord, I pray that as I speak, as you speak through me, you shift and transform hearts uh, towards you, Lord. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So good. So the parable of the talents. There is so much biblical truth in this parable that you could do a whole series on this one parable, right? You could do a whole series. So I can't get to it all today. So I'm just going to focus on one aspect of uh, the parable today. But before we get into it, there are two things that we really need to understand. The first is, what's a parable? Right? What is a parable? You might have heard this thrown, word thrown around. You might understand that it's a story. You probably have heard the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the lost sheep. But what a parable is, a parable is a, sto- a story that Jesus uh, spoke or Jesus told that would explain a kingdom principle. Every parable has to do with the kingdom, whether it's how we live in it or what it's going to look like or how we get into it. Every parable is talking about the kingdom. So in this parable, we have two groups of people. We have the master and we have the servants. So the master in the kingdom is Jesus, right? So the servants are you and I. The servants are Christians. They're Jesus followers, Bible believers that have given their life to Jesus. So that is what the, that's who the master is. That's who the servants are. It's you and I. So what are the talents? What are the talents? Well, in first century Israel, first century Mediterranean, in first century Rome, a talent was just a large portion of money a really large portion of money. Most scholars believe that it's about three months wage to 12 months wage. Um, It's like, it's, it's a big amount of money. Even we can see that with the third, the third servant, right? He had one talent, but it was so large that when he hit it, he had to dig a hole in the ground to hide it. He couldn't just put it in his pocket, couldn't put it under his bed. He had to dig a hole and hide it. So a talent is a large portion of money. But I don't know about you, But when I came uh, into salvation with Christ, when I came to faith with Christ, he didn't deposit a whole bunch of money into my bank account. Right? Uh, Not many laughs. Maybe he did that for you. 
right? I, I don't know. That just, that's just not what happened with me. I didn't come to, I didn't go, yeah, Jesus, I welcome you to my life. Then go on my phone and go, oh, sick, all of this money. And then Jesus said, you know what? You have to work with it. You have to use it. And when I come back, I want it back. It's, 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 while it is money, it's not talking about money. So what is the talents? And what we see in the scripture, are these talents are of utmost importance to the master. It says in verse 14 that they are his property, right? They're his property that he then gave to his disciples, that he gave to uh, his followers, his servants. To the first, he gave five. To the second, he gave uh, two. And to the last, he gave one. Right, And then it says he went away. So that's talking about Jesus ascending back to heaven, going back to heaven. And then once he had gone back to heaven, the servants went to work. They started using and stewarding the talents. And then it says the master returned. So that's talking about the second coming of Jesus. So if the going is Jesus going to heaven and the coming is Jesus returning back to earth, the time in between where the servants are working is now. The time that he, they are working is now. So when the master returns, he comes to the first servant. And the servant says, you've given me five. I've made five more. Here is ten. And what does the master say? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a little. I'll put you over much. Come into the joy of the Lord. And then the second servant, he has two, but then he says, Master, you gave me two, but now I have four. I have doubled what you've given me. And what does Jesus say? Well done, good and faithful servant. So what we see here, it doesn't matter how many talents you were given or even how many talents you give back. It's how you use the talents that, and you work with the talents while you are here on earth. Because one had five, one had two, but they both doubled their talents. They were both equally faithful in their use of the talents. And then the last servant comes in and he said, Lord, I, I hid your talent. So here is exactly what you gave me. Here is everything that is yours. And what does Jesus say? You wicked and slothful servant. You wicked and slothful servant. These talents are so important to Jesus that he wants us to be faithful with them. He wants us to steward them well. So what are the talents? What do the talents represent? A talent is a God-given gift, duty, or ability that we are responsible for using for his glory. That's what a talent is. It's a, it's a gift, duty, or ability that we have been given. So, if that's what a talent is, when we use it and increase it, does that mean that we increase our gifts, our talents, our abilities? We increase our duties? Well, no. It, that's, that's not how things work in the kingdom, right? Uh, Knox Chamberlain says it, says it the best, I think, when he says, uh, investing your talents is seizing opportunities to do good works for the sake of the master, for the sake of the kingdom, right? So if, the, if a talent is your gifts and duties, if using them is for the sake of the master, the increase is then also for the master. The increase is kingdom growth. That is what the increase in your talents is. It's not for you. It is for Jesus. It is for the kingdom. It might be width, breadth, depth, height, whatever it may be. That is what uh, the kingdom, uh, that is what the increase is. It's kingdom 
growth. The kingdom principle that Jesus is explaining here is that we should all be engaged in kingdom work. We should all be engaged in kingdom work, right? The, the, the receiving, the using, and the multiplying of our talents, of the talents, is kingdom work, right? That is what that, this all is talking about. We are not to be slothful in, in using our talents, but faithful, because we are co-heirs with Christ. We are ambassadors of heaven. We are a royal priesthood. See, with the wicked servant, it wasn't that he did anything wrong. But in doing nothing wrong, he did nothing right. He was slothful. He did nothing wrong. Therefore, he did nothing correct. So doing something actively wrong is called a sin of commission. But then doing something or not doing something that you know you should be doing is what's called a sin of omission. Right? That's what this servant was doing. It wasn't that he... He did anything right, uh, sorry, did anything wrong, but he did nothing right, which was then the wrong thing to do, which is a bit hard to understand, but that is what we're talking about here. I think Matthew Henry says it the best, where he says, He that is careless in God's work is nearer kin to him that is busy in the devil's. He that is careless, slothful, Lazy in the work of the kingdom is near akin to him who was busy in the devils. What a brutal rebuke from 500 years ago. <laughs> right? What a, what a confronting conviction. Now, I just want to make it really clear. We do not believe in a works-based salvation. That is not how you get saved. We believe in grace alone, by faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. That is salvation right? That is the gospel, right? There's nothing you can add or take away because it's not your works that save you, but His finished work on the cross. That is what we believe. That is the gospel. So it's not that as we work, we add or subtract our, our salvation, or, but what it is, is that it, they should be a result of our salvation. Our works should be a result of our salvation. In James 2.17, it says, uh, faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. That's the ESV. The New King James, faith without works is dead. NLT, the faith without works is dead and useless. Different, but not really, right? Faith without works is dead. So Jesus, when He's given us our talents, our gifts, our duties, our abilities, He wants us to steward them well. He wants us to steward the world. See, with the third servant, his issue was that he viewed God incorrectly. When he came to the master, he, he viewed him as a, a hard taskmaster. He said, you, I know you are harsh. I know you are harsh, and I was afraid of you. So I didn't do anything. Right? That's, that's what the servant said. He's like, I was afraid that you would do something to me, so I just didn't do anything at all. He was viewing God the wrong way. He viewed God uh, out of fear, not out of love. Because we know where there's perfect love, it casts out all fear. We should not be afraid of God, but we should be living under the, the love of the Father. He viewed God wrong. He was living under legalism, and he, and he thought that his actions, what he did, added and subtracted to his salvation. But that is just not the case. 
It is not our works that save us. It is Jesus that saves us. And then as a result, we then do good works for the kingdom, right? That is what we're talking about. So there are two types, two main types of kingdom work. The first is uh, gifts, abilities, duties that we've all been given, but grace for differently, right? So these can be things like abilities, like the team playing, like playing music, bass, guitar, drums, whatever. Cafe, being able to make coffee. I try and make coffee at home, and my wife is always like, hmm, it's not hot enough. I'm like, I think I felt like all the, the issue with coffee was always that you burnt it, but I just can't get it to that place for some reason. I don't know. But th- those are abilities. Then we have spiritual gifts like prophecy, healing, encouragement, administration, which we all have been given different gifts to work with in, in the body or their callings. We've all got a different calling on our life. So the second category, which is where we're going to stay for the rest of today, is a gift and a duty that we all have been given. And we've all been given equally. And that is to proclaim the gospel. We are called to proclaim the gospel. And it's the same since Genesis 1. In Genesis 1.28, he says, Take dominion, be fruitful, and multiply. When Jesus then was baptized in the water and he came back out, the first message he spoke, he said for in Luke 4, he said, He has anointed me to what? Proclaim the gospel. When he sent out his disciples for the first time in Luke 9, what did he tell them to do? Go proclaim the kingdom. And then in Mark 16, 15, when he was ascending back to heaven, what did he tell them to do? Proclaim the gospel. This is our mission. This is the talent that we have been given and we need to steward well. We need to proclaim the gospel. And you might be thinking that it's a bit scary. It's a bit intimidating. Yep, it is. It can be hard. But if I'm honest, God's been kicking my butt the past couple of weeks as I've been trying to prepare this message. He's been telling me to do things, praying for people that I don't normally pray for because we are all in this together. We've all been given the same mission, right? And you might be thinking, I don't even have the gift of evangelism. Well, I'm really sorry to tell you, there's no gift of evangelism. There's no spiritual gift of evangelism. Go look it up. There's a fivefold ministry of evangelism, but that's another, that's, that's another topic again. But there is no spiritual gift of evangelism because we've all been given the same mission, right? Come on. Your ability to proclaim the gospel is not based on whether you have the gift of evangelism, but whether the gospel has transformed you. That is the secret. You are able to proclaim the gospel if it has changed you. If you know the power of the gospel, you will preach it powerfully. Because when Jesus was ascending back to heaven, he said, go, go proclaim the gospel, go preach the gospel, but wait. Wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. Wait until you receive the power from above. Do nothing until you have received the Holy Ghost. In Acts 1.8, he then says, you will receive the power and you will be my witnesses. And then in Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit falls and fills the believers, what's the first thing Peter does? Is he goes out and proclaims the gospel. And he talks about Joel 2, where the, the Holy Spirit we poured out, poured out on all believers. And where does it end? Anyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
It is proclaim the gospel. It is proclaim the gospel. It is proclaim the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. You have not, come on, you have not been saved just to sit in church every Sunday. While we wanted you to come back inside after the rain, that's, it's very important. It's, and it's very, uh, very evident in the book of Hebrews, right? It says, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. And quick side note, that that word gathering in the Greek is actually talking about a physical building. But anyway, that's another topic again, right? Do not neglect coming on a Sunday, but that is not why we've been saved. You've been saved, you've been redeemed, you've been set free, you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, and you've been given a commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, to all creatures until Jesus returns. That is our mission. And I think that we've just become a little bit lazy. We're really good at um, defending life on earth, but we've lost defending eternal life. We need to proclaim the gospel, and Jesus has talked to us about it time and time again. But your ability to proclaim the gospel is solely based on Jesus. It's not you, it's Him. Sounds like a really bad breakup, but it's not you, it's Him. But it is. It's not you. It's Him. It's Jesus that is, um, that is in you, that is speaking through you, that is the light. It says in Matthew, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. You do not light a lamp to hide it. You light a lamp to give light to those around you. So when we, when we come to know Jesus, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're filled with God, we receive this light. So when you walk into a room, it is Jesus that is walking to, into a room. When you are proclaiming the gospel, it is Jesus that is speaking through you. When you, are, when you are doing nice things for people around you, you are being Jesus in their world. It's not you. It is Him. And it's, it's just Him. And it, I'm not here to tell you that you now need to go out into your week and you have all of these things that you need to do. You need to do this, you need to do that. No, no, no. What you need to do is allow Jesus to work through you. You need to be open and allow Jesus to work through you in your world. Because it's Jesus who saves, it's the Holy Spirit who convicts, and it is the Father who draws His children home. We are nothing but a mouthpiece for the gospel. We are nothing but a vessel for His light. And do you know why this is so important? Because if you were saved and you believe in Jesus, you believe in a real place called heaven. And if you believe in a real place called heaven, you believe in a real place called hell. And there is a real place called hell that people are going to every day. Real people are going there every day. How many people do you think you pass every day that are headed to hell? We don't want to talk about hell. Even when I was putting this message together, I was like, what, is, what are some other ways I can use hell? No, no. It's hell. It's separation from our Creator for eternity. It is a real place where real people are going. And Jesus talked about it time and time again. No amount of TikTok videos, YouTube shorts, Instagram reels can tell you otherwise. I'm just going to stop you. Hell is real. Jesus talked about it. He talked about what it was going to look like, who was going to go there, why they're going to go there, and when they're going to go there. And it talks about it in this chapter, in Matthew 25, um, verse 46. What does he say? And these, to people that don't believe in Jesus, will go away into eternal punishment. Hell is a real place. 
and there are real people going there. We need to get back our heart for the lost. According to the last census data, more than 50% of people in Australia do not believe in Jesus as God. Do not believe in Jesus as their Savior. Do not believe in Jesus as their King. More than 50%. So how many people do you think you pass every day? Probably one in two. Right? According to the data, 85,000 people a year are dying without knowing Jesus as their King. 85,000 people. That is, that is like all of Castle Hill, all of Blacktown, all at once. We need to get back our heart for the lost. Uh, Pastor Rod Parsley, uh, he said a couple of weeks ago, it's high time for the church to get back its burden for the lost. It's time we get back our burden for the lost. We want to see people saved. If you want to see revival in this nation, it starts with you. I believe revival is coming, but if you want to be a part of it, play your part. So as the band come, I'm going to give you three super easy ways you can proclaim the gospel this week. Super easy. Number one. What's number one? Yeah, that's how, that's how good it is. It was so easy, I forgot it. <laughs> Invite someone next week, right? Invite someone to Easter. Like, there are two times of the year more people are more likely to come to church. That's Christmas and Easter. And it's next week. We've, we've made invite cards. They're in the seat back in front of you. They're out in the foyer. We as leaders and pastors of this church, we want to fulfill our calling, which is uh, in Ephesians 4.12. Uh, we are to equip the saints, which is you, to be able to play your part in the, for the work of the ministry. We want to equip you. We want to equip you well. That's why over the past three weeks, we've been talking about the gospel, right? We've been telling you what the gospel is. God is creator. We are sinners, but Jesus is Savior. That is it. We have given you a really easy rundown in evangelism, right? It's, it's not hard. It can be intimidating, but it's not hard, right? So there is invites. You don't even have to go and talk to someone. Just put it in a letterbox. You don't know what that's going to do. You don't have to talk to people. Start small, right? Invite someone next week. Number two, live a life that is different to the world. We see this time and time again, that once we are saved, we are then meant to live sanctified. What that means is we're meant to live holy, holy to the Lord. We, every day we are meant to become more and more like Jesus. And in Matthew 25, Jesus then talks about what, it, what, it, what that can look like. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Truly, I say to you, as you did it for the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Just be Jesus for someone. Just be Jesus in the world. Be nice to someone. Be kind. People love it when you're nice. Just go out and let Jesus work through you because that is not proclaiming the gospel with your mouth, but with your actions. And when you move, when you, when you just act in the world, you are proclaiming the gospel. And number three, pray for someone. Pray for someone. As I said before, how many people do you think you pass every day? One in two. 
So my encouragement for you this week, my challenge for you is when you're driving to work, when you're driving to the shops, every single day, choose a car, pray for it. Choose a car and pray for it because the chances are they don't know Jesus or at least there's someone in there that doesn't know Jesus. Right? Just choose a car, pray for it. And it's easy. You're by yourself. It's just you and God. You don't even have to go talk to them. Right? It, this is not rocket science. If you have been powerfully transformed by the gospel, you want to tell others about it. Right? There is a real heaven and there is a real hell and we need to let people know. Some people might say no, but Jesus said, they hate you because they first hated me. He is the Savior. He is God. How absurd of us to think that we can deserve any less than Him. They hated Him, so that's what will happen. But we know that we get to live in eternity with Jesus forever. So come on, let's stand. Uh, we're about to go back into, we're going to go in, uh, and sing. We're going to sing uh, and, and pray. And we're going to open up the altar because I want to pray for some people. But just before we, we go into this, before we sing, I don't want to go, I don't want to give this a miss. If, if you don't know this Jesus, if you might, you might be far from Him, you might have come into a relationship with Him before, but then you've walked away. I want to give you an opportunity right now to, to just start that, start that journey again. Because God, He loves you so much. He sent His own Son onto earth to die, to pay for your sins. It says in Luke 15 that when one person comes back into the fold, that there is celebration in the presence of the angels. Do you know what that means? In the presence of the angels, it's not the angels celebrating, it's God. God is the one celebrating when you come back to Him. So with eyes closed, if you want to start that journey, if you want to start that journey to know Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, as God, I just ask you right now boldly to lift your hand. Just to lift your hand right now so we can see who we're praying with, so that we can pray for you. So good. We're just going to pray and then we're going to open up the altar. Lord, we just... We just thank you for your presence. We thank you for what you've done to us. We, we pray that you that you change our hearts, that you that you stir us with a burden and desire to see the lost reached, to see the lost come back to know you, Lord. So we just pray for every person in this room that you just stir their hearts right now in Jesus' name. Amen.